This is the Trails Church Podcast. At the Trails Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel in community and on mission. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website, thetrails.org. Now, here's today's podcast. Open your Bible with me to Exodus 20. When our children were still very young, we we wanted to raise them in a home where they were taught Scripture. And we looked for ways to help them know and hide God's Word in their hearts. I didn't know of a better way to go about this than to write songs to help them memorize certain Bible verses. And so I wrote a Scripture memory song uh, for passages every letter beginning with A and all the way to Z. For the letter A... I wrote a melody to Romans 3.23, which begins with the word all. So you get the point, A to Z. On a positive note, we taught them a passage, Romans 3.23, which contains a fundamental gospel truth. But on a negative side, the tone of the melody I wrote doesn't, well, it doesn't quite seem to match the tone of that verse. You can decide. It went like this. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, yeah! Yeah, it's pretty chipper, yep. Well, when we reached the letter H, I chose to write a song for the passage we'll be exploring today. And I can still see our kids running around the house. So we would start singing these little scripture memory verses. And as you can tell, they're meant to make kids run. And in the middle of singing, they would just start running around the house. In our verse today, they would sing, Honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. Exodus 20, 12. Buddha, ba boom, boom. You know, yeah. We had to sing that one a lot. <laughs> In full disclosure, like that was a part of our family worship practice at night. But, I mean, having them run around for 10 minutes is also helpful to get all the jitters out before they can go to bed, right? Now, I doubt many of us would hear the command to honor your father and your mother and, well, take off running through the house. However, the truth of this passage is one that must run through our lives. As we continue our study of the Ten Commandments, today's passage contains a shift in our emphasis. The first four commands taught us what it looks like to love God on His terms. The final six commands teach us to love one another on God's terms. Exodus 31 verse 18 tells us that God not only spoke these words to His people, He also wrote them down on two tablets of stone. People have sometimes understood these two tablets like this. The first few commands are written on one tablet, and the rest of the commands are written on a second tablet. So when you put the tablets together, you can see all ten laid out side by side. However, most scholars agree that God wrote the entire ten commandments on one tablet of stone and then made a copy of it. So you've got an original and a copy. And there's, there's good supporting reason for thinking of it this way. When a covenant was made in the ancient world, 
A copy of the covenant was given to each party, so they both retained a copy of what it was they had committed to. Yet, even though we should probably think of all Ten Commandments as written on each side of the tablet, on each piece of stone, there is still a clear progression to them. I said last week, the first four commandments are best understood, I think, as a little manual on Christian worship. Well, the final six are a little manual on the Christian life. Where this manual for the Christian life begins may seem like a surprising place to start for our modern ears, the honor of parents. However, the placement of this command shows the special importance of the family in the eyes of God and the place the family should have in our eyes as his people. Let me make one disclaimer as we begin. This command was not given to a group of young children, but to an adult population that made up the nation of Israel. Furthermore, this command is not only important to young children, but to all of us who want to honor God with every area of our lives. So as we begin, let me ask, what role does the commandment to honor your father and your mother play in your spiritual life? As we reach the fifth commandment, we move from those commands that focus on how we're to love God to now these that focus on how we're to love one another. This emphasis begins not with a people far removed from our reach or just our Facebook friends, but to those with which we share a last name and a history. It is here we learn the importance of honoring parents as an expression, ultimately, of how we honor the Lord. We'll outline our verse, Exodus chapter 2, verse 20, with two points. One, the honor of parents. And second, the promise of blessing. So we have our heading. Would you stand with me as we read together from God's holy and inerrant word? Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land, that the Lord God is giving you. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. The first half of the fifth command highlights the honor of parents. In some people groups, the honor of parents is an ingrained value. In others, it's a foreign idea. For the people of God, it is woven into the fabric of our faith. God expects his children to honor our earthly parents, you know, the ones who taught us to walk and talk, who packed our lunches and tucked us in at night. But before we do an exposition of this verse, I I think it would be helpful to pull some other verses into view and to conduct a sort of brief biblical theology on the honor of parents. In the Old Testament, this command was as serious as life and death. Moses writes in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9, For anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. His blood is upon him. There we find this child cursing their parent. It's definitely not something that was just winked at or laughed off. It was seen as a serious offense. Deuteronomy 21, verse 18 and 19 goes on. If a man had a, has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, 
and though they discipline him, will not listen to them. Then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. Then all of the men shall stone him to death with stones. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. We said there's a, there is a negative, there's a positive side to all the negative commands. Well, there's also a negative side to the positive command, which, we, which we've heard. But there is another positive iteration here. Proverbs 6.20 states the importance of parents' wisdom being spoken into their children. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. The most graphic illustration, I think, in Scripture has got to be Proverbs 30.17, which says this. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. That is frightening. So there we see in the Old Testament, we pull all these passages together, and it sounds like people were, were, they were going Old Testament on the observant of the fifth commandment. Now, thankfully, we're not under the ceremonial or national laws that have such extreme consequences any longer. Today in a Christian home, the rebellious child would at best be disciplined by mom or dad in the home. At worst, we would hope they would be subject to church discipline instead of you know, sent to the gallows. But as we turn the page into the New Testament, this idea is still critical. As the Apostle Paul builds his case for total depravity in Romans chapter 1, verse 29 and 30 through 32, he outlines these reasons that... Um, are why the wrath of God is being poured out on mankind. And he says it's because people were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, Faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Did you catch what was on that list of sad sins? Disobedience to parents, like up there with murder. And then, tucked inside the final pastoral letter Paul writes to young Timothy, 2 Timothy, he warns him of the hardships that he must endure in the last days. Chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 says, But understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, and disobedient to their parents. So, How interesting is it that this fifth command shows up in the New Testament as a part of these terrible lists. And as we move from the pages of Scripture into the rest of church history, Augustine remarks, this would be in the fourth century, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? John Calvin says, those who abusively and stubbornly violate parental authority are monsters, not men. And so as we pull together all of these places that Scripture speaks to 
honoring our parents, we see that this command is far more serious than just trying to get a kindergartner to brush their teeth and get in bed on time. Though, kids, if your parents tell you to brush your teeth and get in bed, you should do so without talking back. The principle that God is laying out is incredibly important in his eyes. Why? Why is this so? Because our Heavenly Father is teaching us a critical lesson through this command. God tells us to honor our earthly parents who we can see in order that we might learn to trust and honor our Heavenly Father who is unseen. Each of the Ten Commandments are given to the people of God and are meant to be obeyed. However, at the same time, each one of them uh, discloses some glorious truth about God himself. Each word is a glimpse into the nature of God and his relationship with his people. And So the Ten Commandments are not meant to be exhaustive pieces of legislation that account for every situation and every possibility. Notice how simple this command is. They are to be obeyed. As to how, how are they to be obeyed? That's a matter of continual reflection for us as God's people as we live and grow in the shadow of God's love and protection. Even as I meditated on this passage this week and and thought through how to preach it, I kept thinking of, of situations in your mind that you've already said, yeah, but, or, well, what about that? You see, for some of us, the notion of honoring parents is easy because you were raised in a home where God was known and taught. You were loved and cared for and discipled. Not perfectly. No parent is perfect. But a solid foundation was laid. For others, the thought of honoring your parent is really difficult because that relationship is one of real pain and emotional scars and deep wounds. Perhaps you hear this and you think, well, how do I love my faltering father or my manipulating mother? And admittedly, we cannot flesh out all of those circumstances in in one small sermon. And so I want to just extend this invitation. If at any point you look at this command and you think, I need help of knowing how to fulfill this while still maintaining healthy boundaries with a really ungodly or unhealthy parent, I just want you to reach out to the elders we would love to care for you and walk with you through where, how you can do this, but still have those things in place. What I'd like to do is give two large categories of application that we can honor our parents, regardless of age or stage. And I want to frame our thoughts with two words that will become incredibly important to us as we continue to move through the Ten Commandments. Here's the words. Inward and Outward. What we'll see Jesus do is take all of these commands and show not just the outward obedience, but what's happening in the heart. And that's where I'd like us to begin, with inward honor. The Hebrew word for honor is kavad, which means heavy or weighty. We find that word used throughout the Old Testament to describe the heaviness, the weightiness of a subject that we love to handle with the greatest of care, the glory of God. The kaved of God. To honor our parents is to treat them with great care and to give weight to their authority and to their position as an expression of God-given authority. 
To honor our parents is to respect and to revere them, to assign dignity to them in our thinking, to hold them in great value and even glory. We'll sometimes hear the phrase, you know, they don't give us an ounce of respect. Have you heard this? And what are we doing there? We're saying that there's a weightiness to the issue of respect. And if you don't respect someone, they don't give you an ounce of respect. Well, here, God is saying, children, give your parents a ton of respect, a heavy dose of respect. I want to point out, he doesn't say this based on their virtue or their goodness or how holy they are, but on their role, their role in creating us. The creator of all says that because of this, they are worthy of honor. So what's happening in the heart is what I want to start with. But one way to gauge what's happening in our heart is to look at what's coming out of our mouths. Jesus gets at this in Luke 6.45. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So how do you know if you're honoring inwardly your parents? Well, one way is to see how you talk to them and how you speak about them. We often speak to colleagues and uh, friends and neighbors with such intentional speech. You don't lose it on one of them, right? Because you have a reputation to to maintain. But those closest to us, well, they love us regardless. And so we'll often let down our guard in how we speak to them. We'll speak to them with harsh words or short words. And so when it comes to those within the wall of our homes, I want to encourage you, to honor each other with your words. And so kids, even when you speak harshly or rudely to one of your parents, you're not just sinning against them. You're also breaking the fifth command. You're sinning against God. And so we want to let honor start in our hearts and be seen in our speech. And that moves us to how we honor our parents outwardly. And here I think a few practical ways are in order. The first is listening to their counsel. For those of you who still live with your parents, I want to just tell you how much you need the counsel of your parents. Now, if your age ends with teen, you might think, I don't need their counsel that much. But I'm just telling you, you need it now more than ever. There's this quote that's often attributed to Mark Twain. I found it in a 1937 edition of Reader's Digest. Surely you saw that issue. Um... I don't think Mark Twain said this, but it's attributed to him. Here it is. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished how much he had learned in seven years. (laughs) Listen to their counsel. And of course, and we'll talk about this, the way that our relationship changes with our parents over time, the way that we listen to their counsel changes which leads to the second way that we can honor them outwardly is to obey them, to obey them, particularly those of you who are living at home. God has called you to obey your mom and dad. Now, in matters where they tell you to sin against him, you should obey the Lord instead of your parents. But in in day-to-day things, the call is to obey them. And as we pause to think about obedience... The way that Christians have understood this command from, for a long time is this involves a wider scope of relationship here. Uh, if you want an example of that, look at how the Westminster Catechism tells us how to think about this. Um, it means the people of God are to honor and obey 
all whom God has placed over us in our lives, whether it be our employer or our elders or judges or government officials, to obey what we're told to do. So for those of you who are still in the home, that means you know, obeying in areas like studying and bedtime and, and know that they are training you one day not just to obey them, but to obey your father who, as I said, was unseen. Of course, as we grow up, well, we're not called to obey our parents forever, are we? You grow up and leave the house. You leave and cleave to a spouse. Many of you have. And, but obedience looks different. So a parent may tell you to do something. You don't have to do it any longer. But there can still be honor in our tone toward them, even in our disobedience, and to honor them in our disagreements. A third way to honor parents is to serve them in old age. And all of those who are old said, yeah, <laughs> that was self-disclosing. Um, when it comes to caring for parents as they grow older, even in our church body, I already see this in so many of your lives. I've seen it in my own parents as well. Uh, my parents moved, uh, they were native Texans, but moved to Colorado a few years ago and just recently moved back as my grandparents are aging. They live over in Fort Worth. It seems like every two or three days they're going over to the nursing home and sitting with them and caring for them. Um, I saw this in my in-laws, in Martin and Sandra Kreitz, who many of you know. Um, as Sandra's mom, Mimi, was getting older, uh, she moved down here. And, um, and then we were all living in Fort Worth. Martin and Sandra sold their house. Jamie and I had been married for two or three months. And between the time they sold their house and they, bu- they built their new one, Everybody moved in with the newlyweds. It was like my in-laws were teaching me, one day you should do this for us and my parents. And, and we, we plan to. Um, many of you are doing this already. Just off the top of my head, uh, Chuck and Regina Town are doing this, and Dick and Dee Dee Wolf uh, caring for aging parents, and that is such a testimony to us. Thank you for that. And there's many more as well. If you have questions about that, that would be a good place to start with maybe those two couples. So how do we do this as our parents grow older? How do we serve them the older they get? Our parents served us from the time we were born. And one day will be our opportunity to serve them in return for what they've done. Well, there is much more we simply don't have time to get into when it comes to this command. One closing observation that I do want to make is in the language that I chose of those three points to listen, to obey, and to serve. Those words I would categorize all as worship languages. They're things that the Bible tells us to do in relation to God, to listen to his word, to obey him. And the word serve is is the Old Testament word for worship. Now, in no way are we supposed to worship our parents. But here we see from the testimony of Scripture, we're to honor them with weightiness, both inwardly and outwardly. The second part of the fifth commandment contains the promise of blessing. There's a promise from God that accompanies this command. We see it as verse 12 continues, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. It's important for us to understand two things about this promise. It's historical context and it's theological context. Let's look at the historical context, because we have to put ourselves in the sandals of the Israelites 
standing in the shadows of Sinai, and what it meant to them when they heard God speak this. God's people had been redeemed from Egypt, but they've not yet reached the promised land. And before they enter the land, God wants to teach them how they're to live as a redeemed people. The land that is mentioned there is the land of Canaan. This kind of Uh, obedience then blessing language is used throughout the Pentateuch. I read the book of Deuteronomy just devotionally this week and came across time after time where God says a few things. He says, remember what I did for you in the past. He says, listen to what I tell you and be careful to keep it and I will bless you. Again and again. So what's happening there is God's wanting his people in every one of his commands to honor him, and to walk in the safety and security and the shelter of his commands in order to keep them from harm, to keep them from sin, or to say it another way, that their days would be long in the land, that they would flourish as the people of God. As time marches on, we learn that it's the breaking of the fifth commandment is part of the reason that the Israelites are kicked out of the promised land and sent back into captivity. You can look at Ezekiel chapter 22 to learn more about that. So there's some important things to consider as we think about reading this historically, where we are in the timeline of redemptive history. Now let's think about it theologically. The first 19 chapters of the book of Exodus are Moses telling the story of God's salvation. It's the gospel in the Old Testament as the Lord delivers his people from bondage and set them free. So that's what's happened. And now there's this big word, therefore. So since this is now a redeemed people, because that's true, therefore now he gives them these ten commandments to teach them how to live. We see the same pattern in the New Testament. In the book of Uh, In many of the Pauline epistles, actually, but specifically, I'm going to focus on the book of Ephesians, where the Apostle Paul dedicates the first three chapters to just laying out this beautiful illustration of the good news of the gospel. It's the gospel in the New Testament fulfilled in Christ, how God redeemed his people from sin and death. And then, in the transition between chapter 3 and chapter 4, there's a big therefore. And Paul spends the next three chapters teaching the people of Christ how to live. When we reach Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, this is what he writes. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, think for a moment with me about Exodus 20, 12 side by side with Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. There's a little bit of a difference, isn't there? Paul adds some commentary to what Moses first wrote. He says, this is the first commandment with a promise. All the commands are, in a sense, God saying, keep them and you'll flourish, but this is one in ten that states it, that states it clearly. Now, are there exceptions to the rule? Absolutely. Do the good sometimes die young? Yes. Do wicked people sometimes live a very long life? Yes. But God's saying, if you want to flourish, walk in the safety of my commands. To say it a different way, 
walk in the path I've set for you. For the last couple of years, my dad has preached the sermon between Christmas and New Year. And this last year, he opened his sermon with an illustration of me as a little boy. Uh, the, the thesis of his sermon was, as the people of Christ, we should walk in the way of Christ. And his opening illustration was him. We lived in a parsonage just next door to the church. And in you know, 1983 in Haslett, Texas, it snowed. And on Sunday morning, Dad leaves our home and walks over to the church. And at some point, he turns around and looks and sees me, and I'm walking in his footsteps in the snow. And he said, in a similar way, we should walk in the pattern of Christ. I thought that was a good, good illustration, and it was uh, also really faithful to the text. But I want you to know that that little boy who uh, wanted to be like his dad, and wanted to walk in the footsteps of his heavenly father, would grow to be a teenager. A teenager who knew everything. And I wish I could tell you that I've always walked in the way of my heavenly father in an obedience to my earthly parents, but I didn't. Um, I, I was never openly rebellious, but in seasons my heart was just like a stone. And... Um, even as I reached manhood, I'm ashamed to say there were times also I didn't, I loved my parents, but I didn't honor them as I should. And as I, as I hope I do now, I say this as a man who preaches to his parents and his in-laws every week. So why, why share all of this with you? Well, I hope that my dad's illustration of when I did the right thing, walking in his footsteps, that we might walk in the freedom of God's commands and, and law. Especially for those of you who are young, to walk in obedience to your parents in this age. To those of you who are getting even older, you're teenagers, you're learning freedom, to walk in obedience and honoring God in the way that you honor your parents. But I also pray that by my negative illustration, it would be a warning to each of us who hear the fifth commandment today. When it comes to the fifth command, we are all found guilty of not keeping it. Each of us have dishonored our parents. It may have been through disobedience as a child or disrespect as an adult, but I have really good news. In Christ, your sin can be totally forgiven. Let me encourage you today to think back to that opening question I posed to you. What role do the words honor your father and your mother say about your spiritual life. For those of us who have broken the fifth command, we may need to apologize to our parents or our in-laws or our grandparents for the way that we have treated them. Maybe you need to write a letter or pick up the phone this afternoon or make things right in whatever way needs to happen. Yet, that is still not enough. Because every time we break one of God's commands, it's not just against another person, but against the holiness of God. So we must go to God and ask for his forgiveness for breaking his commands. Because we would not keep the fifth commandment and honor our father and mother, God, our heavenly father, sent his one and only son into the world to be born of a virgin named Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, who is crucified, dead, and buried, and risen again. And with every step, our Savior honored his Father. 
Even with his arms stretched from the cross, he honored his mother, asking his best friend to care for her even after his death. Every step, his food, he says in the Gospel of John, was to do the will of his father. He submitted the life, his will, to the will of his father, and he did it all for his glory and so that we might become the sons and daughters of God. As we reach the fifth commandment, we've moved from commands that focus on how we're to love God and now teach us how we're to love one another the way that God says. The emphasis begins not with people far removed from us or Facebook friends, but people we share an address with, people we share DNA with. And it's here we learn not the only, but one litmus test of our love for God. It's as simple as how we love mom and dad. This is the honor and the promise. Let's pray for God's help. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We pray your name would be hallowed in our love and devotion to you and in our love and care for our parents. In every circumstance that is incredibly challenging and even pains that have been awakened in this subject today, Lord, I pray for your nearness and and love to be known, that you would shine a clear light on a way forward to honor you in the honoring of your word. We ask for your help in all of this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Trails Church. We hope you have been encouraged, equipped, and edified by time spent together in God's word. And again, if you'd like to find out more about The Trails Church, visit our website, thetrails.org. 